You know, early on as a, as a believer, I thrived because I had close-knit relationships uh, of brothers that would just encourage and exhort me and hold me accountable. And, and that was one of the things that, that really cultivated growth in my life. And so I valued uh, depth of relationship for a really long time. And then I've seen the way that, you know, in church, certain things we do really uh, help foster nurturing strong discipling relationships, sharpening relationships, and then certain things we do really kind of inhibit that. And, uh, and we talked last week about how the house of prayer, you know, because our mandate is night and day prayer, one of the biggest challenges we have is, you know, creating uh, horizontal relationships because uh, our main focus is our vertical relationship in prayer. And so I, I mentioned what Jamie Pridgen had said one time. He said, you know, trying to, you know, trying to develop relationships in the prayer room is like trying to make friends at a library. It's just really challenging. And so, uh, anyway, we're, we're sticking a flag in the sand and saying we recognize this is something the Lord's saying to us. We've got to develop the community here in the house of prayer. And so now we want to go on that journey um, of what that really looks like. I want to just say this on the top. I am not under the impression the illusion at any level that I'm going to preach a series on community and then we're going to have it down. It's just not going to happen. Community, real community, true fellowship in in Jesus is something that takes time. It's a sharpening reality. It's an exposing reality. This isn't about having another cookout. I love cookouts. Amen. But this is not about sort of, you know, a new program. This is about coming to a depth uh, in the knowledge of God and in fellowship and relationship with one another. So it's a journey. It's something that we do uh, over time, but we're heading that direction. All right, I want to give you four books. I'm not asking you to read them all tomorrow. I just want to put them out in front of you because these four books are probably where I've drawn most of my, uh, you know, outside of the Bible, most of my ideas about Christian community and what it looks like. And so some of you are going to be very familiar with some of them, and then some of you, uh, some of them you're not going to be very familiar with. But uh, these four books, I think we've got them. You can put them up there. The first is Clowning in Rome by Henri Nguyen, or you can call him Henry Nouwen. That's the American Southeastern way. Henry Nouwen, Henri Nguyen. Clowning in Rome. He talks a lot about contemplative lifestyles, lifestyles based in prayer. And then he has several portions of the book that talk about developing community out of a prayer based, uh, uh, developing fellowship out of a prayer based community. So, Henri Nguyen. Uh, The second, and that's this is the next one is probably the one I draw off the most. It's Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I mentioned it last week. If you're not familiar with Bonhoeffer, He might be a name you've heard, but maybe you don't know his testimony. Bonhoeffer lived in Nazi Germany during Hitler's reign and had a Christian community based on the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, so much of the strands of what Bonhoeffer was doing, we resonate deeply with. We really value the the culture of the Sermon on the Mount. I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks teaching on Sermon on the Mount, and we always revisit it. And, uh, and Bonhoeffer, he wrote a, a very 
strong book on Christian community, true fellowship. Um, I really appreciate it. I'll, I'll quote him today, drawing from Bonhoeffer quite a bit. The third would be Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. That one is a Christian classic. Foster is still alive, but this book, it just goes through all the, the I mean, the specifics of the Christian life and, and what we as Christians are to engage in. And he talks about the, the ideas of prayer and fellowship and community together and what that looks like to develop those <clears throat> amongst a, a, a spiritual family. Those three are great. The fourth one will mess you up. Fourth one is True Fellowship by Art Katz. If you just want to repent, just read that book. It's a burner. Art's with Jesus now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that one will just undo you. He, uh, Art Katz is a very powerful, confrontative Christian voice. He deals with so many of our comforts that have we've just grown accustomed to that have actually left us alienated from the life of Christ and, and from the, the, the clear pattern of Scripture and, Christian, and, and the Christian life. And so true fellowship will, it will undo you. So if you want to start hot, start with true fellowship. If you want to start easy, start with clowning in Rome. Amen. Celebration of discipline and life together are toss-ups. Ah, I'd probably put life together after so if you're going to, let me just give it to you this way, because I, I put them out there in no order. If you're going to read them all, go clowning in Rome, celebration of discipline, life together, and then true fellowship. That's how I would do it. By, by the time you do true fellowship, just give yourself an altar call. Go answer it. It'll be good. All right. So uh, as I said, I realized that... Uh, the idea of community, of fellowship, these are ideas that uh, everybody, if you said, how many of you want to develop community? Most would say, yes, we want to develop community and strong Christian relationships and really get into fellowship with one another. And so I would say most would agree, yes, that's what we want. And then uh, probably if we ask that same group, so then define what it means we would probably get as many different definitions as we have people in the room. And uh, what I realize is that uh, my definition for community and fellowship has morphed and shifted and changed over the years. And so I want to, my, my heart is this, I want to go to the scripture and, and allow the scripture to give us uh, kind of the, the ideas of what community and fellowship looks like. There's much in the Bible about fellowship, community, what it looks like living together in relationship, love for one another, service, laying down our life. There's much in the scripture that we can base from. And so that's my heart. What I want to throw out there is uh, hopefully uh, at some level an accurate portrayal of what the scripture says. Now, I will say this, and I'm going to get into it more. I might burst your bubble today a little bit. I'm just telling you. Just, I might burst your bubble because I realize most of what I think of today as 
modern ideas of community, uh, I'm not sure that it actually lines up that deeply with the scriptures. And so uh, it's entirely possible that you have an idea. You heard me preach last week on community. You went, sweet, we're all going to be friends. Yeah. And, and it's very possible I'm showing up today with a needle to pop your bubble. But let's just allow the word to deal with us. Amen. Three people with me. That's great. Let's go for it. First John 1 First John 1 John 1 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to give you, and I don't usually do lots of lists, but I'm going to give you four principles that I think that we can soundly agree with that are uh, biblical principles on uh, Christian community. The first one is from this verse, and it's just simply this. Community is firstly in Christ. Community is firstly found in Christ. Fellowship is firstly found in Christ. He says, we're telling you what we've seen and what we've heard so that you may have fellowship with us. The Apostle John, he goes, I'm relating to you the revelations the Lord has spoken to me, what we've seen in Jesus, what we've heard in Jesus, the things the Holy Spirit has illuminated to our heart. Because this is what we're releasing to you. And we're releasing it to you so that we can have fellowship. Partnership is the idea. So that we can have relationships, so that we can be partnered together in community. And our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. We've got lots of ideas about community. So often we say, okay, we're going to develop community. And immediately people think, you know, more events, more uh, hangout times, more what I would call a spiritual relationing, uh, you know, relational times. But the thing about it is, and I, and I agree, we've got to be able to relate to one another in every day, uh, you know, kind of environments, over meals, hanging out. But, but biblically speaking, community is first in Christ. It's first spiritually based. Our fellowship with one another is based on this, that we have fellowship with the Father and His Son. That was an awesome opportunity to say amen. I'll do it for you. Amen. It's based on that. Paul expounds on the idea and he says, what fellowship is there with light and darkness? What fellowship is there with the, the temple of Christ and the temple of Belial? He goes, don't you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? And it's from that basis, beloved, that we're able to even discuss this concept of what it means to actually have koinonia. That's the Greek word, koinonia. Partnership and fellowship with one another together. You and I are linked because of one simple fact, we're part of the same body, and the body is the body of Christ. You and I are together in Christ. And community, real community, has to be based off of that truth. Community is firstly in Christ. 
It's not firstly about, do you like football? I like football. Let's be football friends. Football friends are cool. I'm not against football friends. I actually do like football. But that cannot be the basis for which we derive and develop community. Let's just get on the same page. The basis for which we derive and develop community is Christ. It's Jesus. You and I, no matter how different our walks of life are, no matter how different our story is, no matter where we're from, we have something huge in common. Even if all of our likes and dislikes are completely opposites, we have something that that supersedes all of that. Jesus. We have Jesus. Jesus is the basis for community. Our relationship to Jesus is the basis for our fellowship with one another. It's as simple as that. Here's our problem. Oh, I love you. I love you. Here's our problem. We say community and fellowship and relationship, all that. And and here's what pops into our mind. I'm going to have more friends. I'll be less lonely. And when I've got a need, somebody will be there to meet it. That, unfortunately, is not the main point of community. The main point of community is our fellowship with one another in Christ. Jesus is the main point. Come on. Jesus is the main point. Listen, if Jesus isn't the main point, we got problems. No matter what we do. You do night and day prayer and Jesus isn't the main point, doesn't matter how much you pray. You can do evangelism, but if evangelism, if Jesus isn't the main point, who cares? You can do community, but if Jesus isn't the main point, we've missed the point. So we've got to come to this. And so then that the, 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 we've got to come to this fact that community is first in Christ. And then John actually gives us a little pattern of how we fellowship with one another. And it's not to say that, you know, you just always spout scriptures at each other and all you're talking about is just, well, the Lord told me this, what the Lord tell you, and just, you know. But what he does say is, we're talking to you about what he's talked to us about. We're sharing with you what we've seen and heard so that we can have fellowship with one another. And the basis, the basis of fellowship then becomes the revelation of the word and of Jesus that we share with one another. Beloved, there's nothing so rich, nothing so precious, nothing so sharpening and powerful as when you hear the voice of God. I mean, the real stuff, the revelatory stuff coming through another person. God is speaking to them. God is speaking to you. You're speaking to one another. They're sharpening. They're sparking. This is is the whole idea that in, in community, there is a a legitimate reality of Jesus in both hearts and from there we share Christ and from there we share revelation and we share things that God has put in our hearts and man, something explodes. How many times, how many times have you been in a conversation with somebody, they had a little moment in their prayer time and the conversation turned to so what's, what do you feel like the Lord's saying to you? And, and they say, well, this is what I got in, you know, when I was with the Lord this morning. It was really ministering to my heart. And they just shared this thing. And it's like they drop a bomb. 
I mean, a bunch of what I preach is just what you guys told me. No, not exactly, but it's almost like that. I mean, it's just so awesome and so often that when somebody speaks what they heard, that ends up being the word of the Lord to the person they spoke it to. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is how the thing is intertwined. God deals with you, speaks to your heart so that you will share that with one of your brethren, part of the body, and you're sharing the very word of the Lord with them. It's it's the word of the Lord to them, and it came through you. This is how it works. Our fellowship is in Christ. Do you see that? And he ties us together in that manner because he doesn't want us to be an island. He doesn't want us to be Lone Ranger. I just get it all from the Lord. No, he actually ties us together by putting deposits in each of us, revelatory things in each of us that all of us can grow from, that all of us can, can be sharpened by. This is how the thing is supposed to work. So that's what John is saying. He goes, I am sharing with you what the Lord has shared with me so that you and I can have fellowship. So firstly, firstly, Christian community is in Christ. Secondly, human notions. I've already kind of hit this, but I'm just going to give you some Bonhoeffer. Human notions of community are not the standard. Human notions of community are not the standard. And so... This is where it goes. Most, I would say most often what I've heard about community and fellowship, and I'm just going to say it, most often it's humanly centered and it's humanism. It's mostly about me, what I'm going to get, how we together can be awesome, all these human kumbaya notions we're just going to relate, and we're going to connect, and we're going to fellowship, and we're man, we're going to be together, and we're going to be connected to one another. And Jesus is absent, and His vision for how we connect is absent. I would propose this: one of the key re, one of the key things that Jesus uses to bring us into com- community is contention. And conflict. Okay. He uses conflict to bring us into community. But when we're looking for community and fellowship, how do we do? Well, they were cool until they said that. See ya. Let me find somebody else I like. Hey, hey, I'm preaching now. I am. So most of the time when we think about fellowship and community, we think about how can I connect to somebody that I like, that we share the same things, and God wants me to connect and relationally and hearts to hearts and all that stuff. Half the time, Jesus goes, I want to actually create environments where you're going to actually experience conflicts that are going to actually take you to the cross and cut off some of that flesh and get you out of being humanly centered and actually find me in it and ask for grace so that you can actually operate together as part of the body. That doesn't really sound like another potluck. Come on now. People are like, man, I want some more community at the house of prayer. Great, you just ask for conflicts. 
Hey, I'm in if y'all want to go there, but we got to go there together. I'm telling you, it's not going to all be a bed of roses. It's very similar to the journey that you go through in marriage. Everybody has this la-la land, fantasy island, going to ride off with Prince Charming in the sunset in marriage. Beloved, marriage is trying to kill you. That's what it's for. <laughs> marriage is about killing you. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Marriage is trying to kill you. That's what it's about, to bring you to the cross. Guess what? Community is about bringing you to the cross. That's what it's about. You want to go there, I want to go there. But the question is, do you want to go there? Really? Really? Because that's going to take something real. This is not about another potluck or, you know, get some new community directors that are going to, like, get some more, you know, programs and events and movie nights on the back lawn. This is about getting real and getting the junk in your heart, open, exposed, accountable, relatable, hello, connecting. So this thing is not about some human notion. This is about a divine purpose, heavenly ideas, Let me give you a little Bonhoeffer. I've warmed you up enough. Here we go. Every human wish dream, I love that, a wish dream, that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. He who loves his dream of a, of, a, a, of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. Let me give you a recipe for failure as we talk about community. Here's a recipe for failure. All of us, All several hundred of us in the house of prayer, we all show up at the table with all of our ideas of community, all of our needs that we want to get met through community, and we all want it to go our way. That will cause it to blow up instantly. If we're going to go there, we've got to go there under the banner of Christ, and we need to leave the humanism at the door. And know that, hey, this thing is going to be, you know, Something's going to deal with my heart. Let me give you one more Bonhoeffer, just for good measure. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges the brethren. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure, so he becomes first an accuser of his brethren. And finally, the sparing accuser of himself. You see, beloved, when we're gonna, if we're going to go here, and this is just how I, I think, if we're going to do it, let's really do it. If we're going to go here, let's allow the Lord to make of us what he wants. Let's not bring to the table all of our humanly centered ideas. 
Let's say, Jesus, you make of a Christian community whatever you want rather than us showing up and going, oh, they're doing community now. Here's how it's going to go. And if it doesn't meet my needs, I'm going to get upset. Man, I love you guys. But if we're going to do it, let's do it for real. Let's not do some mamby-pamby, as a friend of mine says, cotton candy Christianity version. Huh? Three, God's purposes for community are not firstly about our comfort. Now, I've basically said that, but I just in case you didn't get it. They're not firstly about our comfort. It's not principally about us getting more friends or not being as lonely. Those may be byproducts. Those might be byproducts of community. They probably will be if it's done right. But that's not firstly what it's about. There's something God wants to do in community that has to do with unveiling himself. In fact, everything, all the relationships, all the institutions that God has created are primarily and firstly about him inviting humans to know him in it. And so when he commands us, Jesus, he gives us one clear command, love one another, inherent in it. And I'm, gonna, I'm about to get ahead of myself, but inherent, inherent in that command is that you know him. And I'll show you how he tags it together. So this is not firstly about our comforts or getting our needs met or getting more friends or doesn't mean, now it means they're doing community IHOP. Now I'm not going to be alone on Friday. This is about something deeper in God. Those may be byproducts. You might have more friends. You might have more connections. I believe that'll be a, a, a byproduct of it. But we've got to get the focus right. Jesus is the focus. Fourth, for community work to work, each member has to participate. Everybody's got to get in on it. This, this cannot be everybody sitting around waiting for the social group to get together and come up with a bunch of community ideas. Come on. This cannot be everybody sitting back and making the house of prayer or the leadership team or whoever be the the you know, progenitor of all things community. That cannot be it. It's got to be you and I and us and we and all of us together say, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to be intentional. We're going to go together. We're going to build community and fellowship around Christ in love. We're going to do this. It might cost me something. There might be a collision or two on the way. I'm willing to go the whole route to go there. Come on. I know this is a major departure because I know, as we said, you know, IHOP's a great place to come if you don't want to be involved. Come, sit, receive. Nice worship. Good word. Praise God. They laid hands on me. I'm out of here. We're going from that to some kind of real depth of integration with one another in love based around Jesus. See what I mean? It's not going to be one series and we got it. This is going to take time. It's going to take involvement. Each of us are going to have to connect. 
Come on. It cannot be that we sit back and wait for the house of prayer to come up with, you know, five great community building activities. The activities should hopefully be blessed as a byproduct, and I'm sure we'll do those, but it should be blessed as a byproduct of interpersonal relationships uh, developing spontaneously and intentionally under the banner of Christ with the guiding, uh, you know, effort of love between, between the believers. That's how it should go. It should be a matter of us all together saying, I'm in, now how do, what do I bring to the, to the table? Who can I connect with? Everybody's got to participate for, if this thing's going to work. Okay, if, if I haven't busted your bubble yet, you're tough. You're good. Here's what Bonhoeffer says, though, if I did bust your bubble. If you got a little disillusioned based off what I just said, here you go. This is for you. I just wanted to throw you a bone. Because of our own ideals and ideas about Christian life together, great disillusionment soon sets in with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate, with ourselves. If we are fortunate, disillusionment sets in. Only that, only that fellowship which faces such disillusionment with all its unhappy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight. The sooner this shock or disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. The point is, if we're walking around with our cotton candy pie in the sky idea of kumbaya you know, community, we're just in fantasy land. And we've got to come out of that to actually get into those depths of heart connects, the real thing, the real thing that's actually gonna produce a, a reality of love and a, and a reality of holiness among the community of faith, amen. All right, I'm gonna also now give a few, oh good, I'm doing okay on time, give a few purposes for Christian community. I'm sure there are a bunch more than what I've gotten here. I'm just giving you the ones that are evident to me. Uh, there's probably five or 10 more. In fact, I jotted down five more that are all, all inherent in the idea of Christian community. But let's walk through the four that I've got and then let's develop 10 more as we go. You know, I mean, just as we do the stuff. All right, first one, purposes for Christian community. To know the love of Jesus. To know the love of Jesus. Flip over with me to John 15. Are you guys still here? Should I do the altar call now? Save the rest of the message for later? We should have a, uh, a system by which you can say, you know, lukewarm, you know, nice and hot, overdone. <laughs> you just press the button, overdone. Because I know we can only receive so much at a certain time, but we've got to get these thoughts down. We've got to get them in our heart, get these truths down. Grab these things and take them with you. Take them with you this week. Study them. Study out the verses. You know, ask the Lord about it in prayer and ask the Lord how, how he would have you to connect. Connect to them. All right. First purpose for Christian community, to know the love of Jesus, John 15. My favorite verse probably, I say that about a bunch of them, this one's up there. Just as the Father has loved me, 
I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And then he gives us a hint. He goes, if you want to abide in my love, here's, here's a way to do it. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about his own words, what he's called believers to do, and how he's called us to live. Now he goes, I'm telling you these things because I want you to be full of joy. He goes, verse 11, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. He goes, look, I'm not trying to put a bondage on you. What I want to do is I want to see you alive and full of joy, flowing in love. This is, he goes, this is a direction I want to take you so that your heart can be buoyant and soaring in God. So this is good. This is a good place that the Lord's trying to take us. He's giving us uh, the, the prescription. He goes, he goes, you're loved the way the Father loves me. I love you. He goes, and if you want to abide there, he goes, you got to keep my commandments, and I'm about to give them to you, but I'm telling you this because I want you to be full of joy. I want your heart to be soaring. This is how you're going to get there. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another. But it doesn't stop there. That you love one another, what? Just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. That is a huge phrase. Here's why. The basis, then, for which we're to love one another is the the love of Jesus for us. He's going to go on to say in verse 13, There is no greater love than a man lay his life down for his friend. This is how it works. But this whole concept, this whole command, follow me, this whole command presupposes one thing, that you know how he loves you. Are you tracking that? When he says, I'm commanding you to do something, love one another, as I have loved you, the whole command is it's rooted in this, this prerequisite, this presupposition that you know how he loves you. I'm fond of this saying. I've said it a lot over the years. Every command in the scripture is an invitation to know God in the same thing. When he calls you to be patient, When he commands you to be patient, the point is so you'd understand his patience toward you and from there operate in patience towards others. Patience with yourself and with others. When he calls you to love, the the clear point is you've got to know his love for you first and from there you can love others. Therefore, the motivation for community becomes the love of God. And the clear first purpose for community is to know love first so that you you can then therefore offer it. Is this making sense? This is a critical point. Because then we have a little piece that's ours. And that piece that's ours is to come to a living experiential revelation of Jesus' love for us. 
a living and experiential revelation of Jesus' love for us. I want to tell you something. If you don't have his love burning in you, how can you love one another? There is no community without that. That's a huge point. So he goes, here you go. And this is kind of the way I think the Lord plays it. He goes, here you go. I love this. He goes, I'm going to give you a command. Love one another. And I can almost see the Lord just over there going, <laughs> just laughing. He goes, because you guys are going to try to love each other, and you're going to bang into each other, and you realize this doesn't work. I don't even like them. Love them. Boo. I don't want to see that person. He goes, as I've loved you. He goes, and then we go, oh, wait a minute. There's the plumb line. Know the love of Christ. And from there, I'm able to offer the love of Christ. I'm able to offer selfless love. I'm able to walk through collisions. I'm able to to overlook faults. I'm able to deal with conflicts in a godly way. I'm able to prefer somebody above myself. I'm able to put down my selfish desires and actually go and serve somebody else for them and not for me. Love one another as I have loved you. The command is clear, but the, 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 the point becomes you've got to know love. So therefore, community is firstly about knowing love. He, he tricked us. We thought we were going to have another pizza fellowship. He goes, no, you're going to know what the burning love of God is for you. And then from that baseline, you can actually engage. So my take is this. His command into love, his command into community, his command into fellowship is firstly about us knowing his emotions for us. Because if we don't know them, we can't even start. Does that make sense? Huge point. Let me give you number two. I'm giving two lists today. I should get a star or something. This is incredible. I never give lists hardly. Second purpose for community. This one is a little deeper. This one is a little deeper. You're going to have to stick with me. I'm going to just try to teach this in a nutshell. Number two is to demonstrate to the principalities and powers, to to the demonic authorities, the wisdom of the cross unto releasing glory in the church. Community is about the declaration of the cross to the kingdom of darkness and the release of glory in and among the community of faith. Let me just... Let me just spell it out for you. Turn to Ephesians 3. Did you know that one of the chief purposes of the church, the reason why there is a church, one of the chief purposes is to declare the wisdom of God to the demonic powers. That doesn't even sound like anything we've ever heard right there. That's just like, what? Yeah, that's one of the chief purposes of the church, to declare God's wisdom to ruling principalities and powers, to demonic forces that are trying to have governmental authority in the earth. 
Ephesians 3, verse 10. I'm giving the NIV just because it's a little easier to read. His intent, talking about Jesus, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He wants to make known his manifold wisdom to demonic powers. Well, what is that? I mean, are we just trying to preach wisdom to them? No, no, no. The wisdom of the cross destroys the authority of demonic powers. And so the point becomes this, making known the wisdom of God to the powers and and authorities in the spiritual places has to do everything with walking out the defeat of the, of the, the kingdom of darkness that Jesus bought on the cross. Making known that wisdom to them is exemplifying the victory that we have in Christ through the cross. So he goes, a key purpose of the church is to make known through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to God's eternal purposes, to his eternal purposes, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. The verses I pulled that we went dot, dot, dot on are all about love. So he, he, he sandwiches this idea of demonstrating the defeat of the demonic powers and authorities and glory being released in the church, he, he puts the middle, the meat of it is love, which we already co- covered on verse one. <laughs> Revelation of love filling our hearts and motivating our lives. So let me give you now a little bit deeper thought on this. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 2. So what is the wisdom of God? To make known the wisdom, what is that? It's the cross. And when you get this, you're gonna be like, Dude, I thought we were having another pizza party. And I'm telling you, if we want to do community, it is high-level spiritual warfare. I thought we were going to have a movie night. I'm telling you, it's dethroning principalities and powers and walking out the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The point is this, the wisdom of God is this, that God himself in the flesh, dies, and through his own death, it brings the destruction of the kingdom of darkness. Through him offering his own life, that was the most massive spiritual warfare event because in that one offering of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh laying down his life, the the entire kingdom of darkness is thwarted and defeated in one act. Now, Back to the intents of the church, his intent for the church. His intent for the church was that we would make known, we would demonstrate what? His wisdom. What is his wisdom? The cross. We would walk out the victory of the cross 
Make it known to the principalities and powers that we would demonstrate what Jesus did on the cross and then therefore walk out the victory of the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. Beloved, that's called community. Because in community, in community, here's the deal. You and I have to put down our preferences. You and I have to lay down our lives. You and I have to serve and give and bless and love and offer ourselves at the expense of ourselves. Just like Jesus did on the cross. God's intention for us, if we're going to jump into this thing, God's intention for us is ultimately to live out the cross daily in our interactions with one another, serving and blessing and offering and giving, preferring one another. That's the manifold wisdom of God that humans who are given to sin, who hate God, would then have the kingdom of God come on the inside of them so they can walk out the value system and the culture of the kingdom in a kingdom come on earth reality. Man, when the kingdom comes on earth, guess what has to go? The kingdom of darkness. You want Jesus to get glory in the church? Walk out community. Live the cross. When we live the cross, the kingdom has come. You know why? Because we don't choose the cross automatically. And am I making sense yet? We're not going to choose the cross. I'm going to choose me and my stuff and my will. But what was the cross? Not my will, but your will be done. Community at its core is living the cross with one another unto this, demonstrating God's defeat of the principalities and powers in our lives. You know how I can demonstrate the defeat of the principalities and powers, the defeat of the devil? By me laying down my life for you. By you laying down your life for them and you for her and him for him. I mean, us laying down our lives for one another is all of us walking out the cross together. And I tell you, when a Christian community will walk out the cross together, the kingdom of darkness has no authority. And therein will be glory in the church. Therein will be glory in the church. I'm convinced One of the key reasons why the first church had authority and glory, so if you lied, you died, is because they had this reality of glory in the church because everything they had was in common. They didn't didn't hold anything back from one another. If you lied, the youth group drug you out dead. That's what it says in Acts 5. The young people came in and took out Ananias and Sapphira. I'm not trying to get you dead. I'm trying to get you in glory. I'm trying to get you operating in the cross with one another, putting aside our personal preferences. We are so attuned to what we want. This is American society, the American dream. Get your stuff, get your privacy. Get your yard, get your fence, get your stuff, get your, your digital, uh, like Wesley Hughes said, your digital deities. 
worship them in the privacy of your own padded luxury home. Get the car you want. So when people look at you, they think you're special. You and your air-conditioned, you know, four wheels God that you worship. That's opposite of the kingdom, beloved. We go after our own dreams our own ways, our own preferences, and we sacrifice one another because we, we have enthroned the God of personal preference. This is not the cross. We are silly if we think glory is going to happen in the church all the while while we're feeding on the lust of our flesh and the lust of the eyes and we're just giving ourselves to, to going after everything that we want for ourselves. That's just not reality. Do you want to know intense spiritual warfare? Serve somebody. Serve. Walking out the kingdom is living the Sermon on the Mount. Give, serve, bless, forgive. 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 When nobody's going to talk to me like that, forgive. If they talk to Jesus like that, guess what? A servant is not greater than his master. Forgive. That's high-level spiritual warfare. Let me tell you something. We want to have all these spiritual warfare conferences, and we're going to break the back of this principality and you know, cast out this demon. We're going to you know, do the prophetic act, and man, this time the, the, the earth is really going to be healed and glory is going to come. Now look, glory will come when the kingdom comes in our hearts. When the kingdom of God comes in our hearts, we walk it out in the earth, we actually share, we actually offer our hearts, we live the cross. I'll tell you, when the kingdom comes here, the kingdom will come here. Not until. Still with me? Let's go to number three. John 13, look at it. I want this stuff. I want to love like he loved. I want Christ to be glorified in the church. I want to live as a testimony, a demonstration of of the defeat of the kingdom of darkness by living the cross. That a human could live the cross is such a startling exclamation of the truth of the kingdom come in a life. You don't want to live the cross, but if we do, if we willingly do live the cross, the kingdom has come. Come on. Three. John 13, verse 34. Jesus saying the same thing he said in John 15. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Do we have any idea of the testimony it is when we will actually walk out the reality of Christian love? We'll actually serve and give and bless and lay ourselves down. I'm telling you, when an unbeliever sees it, they will know. It's a testimony of Jesus. One of the, one of the biggest blights on the church right now, it's just, it's a, it pains my heart, is when you talk to somebody... And you say, I'm a Christian, and they go, well, you know, they're all hypocrites. 
My son was out. He was witnessing to this, old, this older gentleman, 45, 50 years old, this week. And my son was sharing the gospel with him, 13 years old, just sharing the gospel with him. And the man started bringing all these accusations about you know, Jesus and the church. And, and then finally, he said, well, you know, you'll, you'll, the, the man said to my son, he says, well, you know, when you grow up, you'll realize that there's a lot of hypocrites out there. And my son looked at him, he says, I realize there's a lot of hypocrites out there, but that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is Lord. And anybody who will turn their heart to Jesus, he will move in their life and forgive them and set them free. And then the man made a step, which my son was just like, it just like threw a softball for my son to jack it out of the park. Because we're best friends. Me and my kids are best friends. They know what I'm like. What you see is what you get. So the guy, and the guy was saying that, you know, hypocrites and sinners, God can't forgive people like that. He goes, well, my dad used to be a, a, a hell-raising sinner. He used to, you know, do drugs and all this stuff. And, and you're, and you're going to tell me my dad, he, he can't go to heaven because he can't get forgiven? He goes, no, he can't. He goes, my dad's a preacher. My dad loves Jesus. He goes, you can't tell me he's not set, set free from sin and he hasn't been forgiven. And the guy goes, well, you don't know what your dad's doing behind closed doors. He goes, yes, I do. He's praying, fasting, and seeking Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's real. God can change somebody's life. I was like, go ahead, son. But, beloved, what if the testimony among, oh, oh, what if the testimony among the whole community was, we love. We love. We lay our lives down. We actually serve and bless and give. And we repent of selfishness and we repent of our own arrogance. And we're not trying to one-up each other. We're trying to do the cross. And then the one comes and goes, oh, there's so many hypocrites in the church. You go, listen, I know that. Just come check this place out. Just come and find out what it means to be loved with the love of Jesus. I know there's, God, I know there's a bunch of bad examples, but let me introduce you to people that love, then they'll know. Then they'll know it's real. That's what he means. Then they'll know you're my disciples. He goes, then they'll know it's real. That the testimony is real. And beloved, the first church, the byline on the first church was that so many understood that they loved so well, they gave so well, they were so selfless and, selfless and so sacrificial. Everybody understood that those, those Christians that followed Jesus, that there was something different about them. Shouldn't it be the testimony of the last church as well? The first church in the first days and the, and the last church in the last days. Come on. This should be our testimony. That we love. That we love. Fourth. Finally. You're wondering when I was going to get here. Why do we do community? Yes, to comfort one another. To bless one another. To, to love one another. To meet each other's needs. Yeah, that's real. That's part of it. That's part of it. God did all these things. Set up community, yeah, so that we would actually be a part of each other and care for each other. Last two verses. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. It'll be on your screen. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 
This is how it's supposed to look. That we all flow together. We move together. We, we comfort each other. We, we, we care for each other. We're blessed when somebody's blessed, and our hearts are hurt when somebody's suffering. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You go through sufferings, God comforts you. Why? So you can turn around and comfort someone else who goes through the exact same suffering. You know, sometimes people go, man, I have no idea why I'm going through this. It's just, I mean, I just don't know. And, and I, there's moments where I look at them and I just think, because you don't know the person you're going to meet in two years that doesn't have the community around you that you have and that you're going to be the lifeline, that you can actually reach out to them in the middle of despair and you're going to be the lifeline to bring comfort to them. And the way it's going to be, have authority on it is because you went through it yourself. I talked to somebody recently. They said, man, the Lord was clear with me and I had multiple tes testimonies and, and other people there, and, and the Lord was telling me to do this, this, and this. And I had, uh, you know, all these prophetic confirmations and, and all this stuff. And when I did the, the, the last one, man, it blew up in my face. And, they, and they, were just, they were just disillusioned, like, what do I, how do I even, I can't even hear God. And then it was a couple weeks later. And the Lord just put on their heart to reach out to this friend that they hadn't talked to in a while. And this friend was, they had found out that the friend was doing so well, so many good things were going on. When they reach out to him, they're totally devastated. And they've gone through the exact same thing that the first person was going through. And the friend is totally devastated in a complete depression. And the person I'm talking to reaches out to them and the friend end up, ends up saying, I have no idea what, where I would have ended up if you weren't here to be able to reach out to me. I, I, I couldn't hear God, suicidal, but because they'd gone through the exact same thing, they were able to comfort that one. I believe God will even set up a collision so that you know how to rescue somebody out of their collision. Beloved, this is what community is about. It's us connecting to one another, caring for one another. When somebody's suffering, we suffer with them. We pray for them. When somebody's rejoicing, when they're blessed, we exalt with them. This thing is awesome. But I want to say this real clear. It's probably number four on the list. Not number one. Jesus is number one. Come on. His glory. Come on. The world, the harvest that he wants to know. And then all the needs that are necessary for the body to be able to be healthy, they all get met if we actually do this stuff. You know, and sometimes they don't get met. Sometimes it, you know, it, it just doesn't work. If we have a pie in the sky that I said all the needs get met, what I want to be clear on is we all do our best. Sometimes you, you mess up. And then you just have to have forgiveness. And that's why we have to have love. And that's why we do community. 
Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I know some of you guys are melting. Thank God for 106 degree temperatures. Amen. It's the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be hot in it. Praise God. Our little air conditioners, 20 years old, they're just, it's like one horse trying to pull a big old carriage, you know. Doing their best to hang in there. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Oh, God. Even more than what I could say, Holy Spirit, I pray for what you would say about what I said. That, Lord, the the truths of community and Christian love and the, the precious possession of knowing your love first, that you would highlight the the necessary points that we would know what it means to love one another as you have loved us. And God, that we would demonstrate the wisdom of the cross. We would walk out the power of the defeat of principalities and powers. That we would love so deeply, so richly, so authentically, that an unbeliever would see it and know. And God, that challenges and difficulties and trials that people go through, that they would be touched by love, they would be comforted and cared for in the midst. And all the other reasons. I know there's so many more that I don't have my mind around. But I know it's costly. Because I know we can't stay in our comfort zone and do community. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I think it's important that we lay this out before we take any more steps forward. I I just want to make a call. If you'd say, I'm in for this kind of community, I'm in for the love of the brethren, I'm in for living the cross, I'm in for a a Jesus-centered community and not a humanistically-centered community, I just want to invite you forward. I just want to pray together over these points. I just want to pray together over these points. Because where we're headed, where God wants to take us, it's going to require an open heart. Come, Spirit of the living God. If you're visiting, God bless you. You don't, don't feel, I'm not, I'm not even trying to compel you. However you want to, however you want to respond, great. I'm primarily talking to those that are part of this community. If you want to respond and you're visiting, wonderful. Come, Holy Spirit. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Here we are. God, I confess, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I've touched it a little bit at different times in different community situations, but Lord, there is a fellowship among the brethren that you want to bring this place to, a common love for one another, a demonstration of the cross, a selfless, sacrificial love that lays itself down, that will release glory among us. Glory to Christ in the church. 
So here we are, Lord, presenting ourselves together once again. Once again, saying, help. Help, Lord. Release grace to us. We need help. Lord, I pray for grace to step out of self-preservation. Isolation and comforts. Grace to step out of those things and to step into love. Love that lays itself down. Love. We want to love. We want to love. We want to love well. Love as we've been loved. We want to love one another, Jesus, as you have loved us. Here we are, Lord. Here we are again. Help this little house of prayer. Help this little church community. We need your grace to take us into love.